Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to see you here today. Welcome to our service here at Gaston First United Methodist Church. Welcome to you if you're joining us by live stream today on YouTube or on Facebook Live. Welcome to you if you're here in the sanctuary with us. We'd love to see this much of your smiling faces. We know that underneath your mask you're smiling. We're, we're trusting that you are. Um, I'd like to ask you if you're in here with us today, if you will take your phone and turn the Wi-Fi off, then uh, that will help uh, prevent some streaming issues that sometimes we have when we got different all these different Wi-Fi's going on there. Just for as announcements, I just want to report that that we're having some really cool things at the church now. Our UMW ladies came back for their luncheon uh, this last week for the first time. Uh, Dr. Chip Griffith came and spoke, and we social distance out in the gym. Uh, Dr. Griffith told about his mission trips. It was wonderful. We enjoyed it so much. Our youth and our children are, are still continuing to do what they do. As you all know, uh, Pastor Andy has been struggling with COVID. He's at home and quarantined, but he's going to do uh, devotionals for youth on Facebook Live and on Instagram. Um, Catherine Barnes, along with some great volunteers, is leading our children's ministry on Wednesday nights. They meet at 6 o'clock out in the green space. They did shoe boxes for Christmas shoe boxes that will be that were delivered to the district office this last week. I'm proud of them for doing their missions. We're still doing our Bible study on Wednesday nights at six o'clock. Um, we are um, asking that parents come and, and join the children. They meet in the green space at six o'clock. Um, Mosaic meets Tuesday nights at 6.30 out in the, the courtyard. This coming Tuesday, uh, Reverend Rochelle Thompson from the Episcopal Church of the Resurrection is going to be there. You can come and meet her. She's going to bring a devotional. She's, she's a really cool person. You'll enjoy it. Come bring your lawn chair and join us for Mosaic. If you would like to help with disaster relief for our friends in South Alabama from Hurricane Sally, you can give. One of the great things about being a connectional church is that we are stronger together and if you give, you put a notation in your check or, or your online gift for, you can either put UMCOR or hurricane or disaster or something like that. We'll make sure that it gets to um, United Methodist Committee on Relief. And when you give to UMCOR, 100% of every dime that you give goes for disaster relief. Nothing is taken out of that. And that's something that we ought to be very proud of. Say a prayer for our folks, our friends, our neighbors in South Alabama. So uh, let's pray and then we'll worship together. Gracious God, thank you so much for blessing us with this beautiful, cool fall Sunday morning. We want to worship you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. 
Kermit got so excited just to threw the drum. Yeah, yeah, Cameron. All right, go, man. Um, aren't you glad that God's grace is enough? I absolutely love that song, the powerful message. And God is always a God of enough. Thank you for being a part of that. When you give to your church, you're helping us have enough to do missions, to do ministry. Thank you for your gifts, and thank you for your love and your prayers and your support.
If you'd like to give online, you can go to our website, fumcgadsden.org, and you can give there. You can text to give. You can mail in an offering. We have offering plates for those here. We have offering plates by the exits. You can just drop them in there. So, again, thank you for your support. Uh, Miss Catherine's going to take our children's to children's church right now. We have the coolest kids here at Gaston First Methodist anywhere ever. I'm, I know I'm slightly prejudiced, but we have awesome kids here. Yeah. All right. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for being a God of enough. Your grace is enough. You're so good to us. You bless us in so many ways. We want to bless others by giving. So help us to give our time and our talent and our treasure to you. Use it to build your kingdom up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
One thing I forgot to say earlier is if you're joining us online and worshiping with us, put something in the comments. Say hello to us. Uh, send your greetings. We're glad to be connected to you, even if it's online on Facebook Live or on uh, YouTube Live. So, so hello to you. Greetings. I'm glad that you're here. We're continuing today with our pop verses. And we have one of the poppiest verses ever. Jeremiah 29, 11. Ah. Now, since I'm not around anybody, I'm pulling that down so that um, I can be a little bit louder. Jeremiah 29, 11, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I don't know about you, but I am really enjoying watching football again. Now, I want everybody to be safe. I know that we can't have 100,000 people in the stadium screaming their lungs out and all of the things that go with that. I know we can't do that yet, uh, but it really is nice to be able to just watch a game on TV. Um, and I love football. I love watching it. And when I'm watching a football game, I don't know. I look at things maybe a little bit differently than other people do because I watch what's going on in different parts of the field. I always watch what's going on with the offensive and defensive line because when I was in high school, that's what I played. And I want to see if they're making their blocks, they're making tackles and all of those things because all of that is a part of the game. It's not maybe as fancy as some of the other things, but it's a part of the game. And I always watch that. I always watch the relationship between the quarterback and the receiver one of the reasons I do that is because when I played football, I wanted to be a receiver, but I was too slow. I mean, the coach's grandma could have covered me. I, I just am not built for speed. Um, but I've always admired the precision and the grace of the quarterback to receiver in the passing game. My all-time favorite receiver is Jerry Rice. He's retired now and in the Hall of Fame and all of that kind of thing. He played most of his career for the 49ers, but with some other teams too. Um, but one of the things that I like about Jerry Rice is that he grew up in Mississippi. My mom grew up in Mississippi. I, like, we're connected, right? He went to Octoc High School in Octoc, Mississippi. Anybody know where Octoc is? Okay. It's 15 miles south of Starkville. I know you've heard of Starkville, uh, but that's where he went to high school. Now, his mom didn't want him to play football because she was afraid he would get hurt. And so all the way up through like ninth grade, he didn't play football. And the story goes, and this is a story that is just too cool not to be true, so I believe it. The story goes that when he was a sophomore in high school, one day he was skipping school and his football coach saw him out skipping school and yelled at him 
And Jerry ran away so fast that the principal told the football coach about it. <laughs> and the football coach said, you've got to come and play, and then the rest is history. Um, when Jerry got ready to play college ball, he didn't go up the road to Starkville, Mississippi. He went to Mississippi Valley State in Itabena, Mississippi. Have you all heard of that? I love these names in Mississippi. Where can you get names like this? You can't make this stuff up. So even though he went to a smaller school, not one of the giant schools, he went to a smaller school, but his greatness was recognized by everybody, including the NFL scouts, and he was drafted in the first round. He broke every record in the book, but that's not really the only reason he's my favorite receiver. I think he's my favorite receiver because he never took his God-given talents for granted. He never was a showboat. He never was a prima donna. He worked as hard as he could. He ran his routes full speed, even in practice. When he was called on to block, he blocked. Um, he, he was just the greatest. He caught 67 touchdown passes with Joe Montana, and I liked Joe Montana too, so I thought, It'll never get any better than Joe Montana to Jerry Rice. But I was wrong because he caught even more touchdowns with Steve Young, he caught 92 touchdowns with Steve Young. So it is just, it was just a beautiful thing to watch. It was just poetry in motion because of the way that the receiver and the quarterback had to trust each other. Uh, they had to trust each other and it had to be precise. Because the quarterback would throw the ball not to where the receiver was, but to where the receiver was going to be. You see what I mean? They had to trust one another. And when it works just right, then the receiver reaches a certain spot and puts his hands out, and the ball is there. And um, so, you know, they've got to have that hours and hours and hours of practice to build that trust and Jerry Rice had it with Steve Young and with Joe Montana before him Peyton Manning had it with Marvin Harrison whoever your favorite quarterback receiver combo is they all had that and that's what I think about when I think about God's promises to us that God is the giver of the promises the sender of the promises like the quarterback right we are the receiver of the promises and as we're going and we're fighting and we're working on the field and we're thinking, well, when is that promise ever going to get here? When is the ball going to get here? And it always gets here, not too soon and not too late, but right on time. And when the time is right, when the moment is right, when we're at the right place at the right time, we put our hands out. And there it is. We receive what has already been given by God you see what's already been thrown we get it when the time is right and that I think is the key to understanding this pop verse for this week Jeremiah 29 11 it's the key to reading it and reading it the right way um, it is I don't know we could probably say that Jeremiah 29 11 is America's favorite pop verse and I'm not just saying that because that's what I'm preaching about today. Uh, I've got some stuff to back that up. 
Because, you know, um, do you remember the Lifeway Christian stores that used to be all over the place? You could actually go in and look at stuff. You can't do that anymore. But they still have a big website presence. Um, and Cokesbury does too. You know, I order from Cokesbury. But if I went on Lifeway Christian Resources online just, just to test this out. And in the search bar on Lifeway Christian Resources, I just typed in Jeremiah 29.11. There were 71 pages of information that came up. Can you believe that? 71 pages of stuff. I just looked at the first two pages. And I discovered they had five different kinds of faux leather Jeremiah 2911 Bible covers. My favorite one was the purple one. They had one in Spanish and everything. Do you have one? It's okay if you do. Uh, some of you might have a Jeremiah 2911 Bible cover. They look pretty cool. There was a Jeremiah 2911 uh, leather, genuine leather wrist wallet, you know, you put around your wrist to carry your stuff in. There was a shiny pink Jeremiah 2911 coin purse. Um, there was several different kinds, several different styles of encouragement cards, uh, boxed encouragement cards with Jeremiah 2911. Couple of different beautiful posters uh, encouraging posters, inspirational posters. There were uh, various kinds of Jeremiah 2911 bulletins to be used for baccalaureate services and things like that. It's just every graduation card I think I've sent has probably had that on there. Um, there was a choir. I've got to tell JT about this. There was a choir anthem called I Know the Plans. I don't know. It may be in our, our files back there. If it is, then I'm going to have to hear it. I just am curious about it. Bookmarks, T-shirts, you name it. All there and on and on. Now, is there anything wrong with having merchandise that has Jeremiah 2911 on it? Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong with us loving that verse? Absolutely not. I love it. I've memorized it a long time ago, just like all of these pop verses. There's nothing wrong with this. We need to know it. We need to hear it. We need to read it. We just need to make sure that what we hear and what we know and what we memorize is taken in context and that it actually says what we think it says, not what we want it to say. Because... Oftentimes, these pop verses are, one, misunderstood, and two, taken out of context. And Jeremiah 29.11 may be the one most misunderstood and most taken out of context. For I know the plans I have for you, the Bible says, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, just saying that makes you feel better. Just hearing it, it's, it's soothing. It's familiar, isn't it? How many of you have heard that verse before? Um, if you haven't heard it for the first time this morning, you've heard it before. It's familiar. But here's the thing about things that are familiar. Things that are familiar can sometimes make us lazy. We think, oh, yeah, I know that. I've heard that. And we get lazy and we don't take the time to see what the context of that scripture is. 
in with that chapter and with that book. So what we're going to do today, we're going to back up a little bit. We're going to see what this really says. We're going to see what Jeremiah is saying, see the context. And then we're going to hear what this beautiful, powerful, wonderful verse has to say to us and about our past and our present and our future. So if we back up just a little bit to Jeremiah 29.4, we see that this message of hope and promise is not given to an individual who's about to graduate from high school. It's given to a whole nation. It's given to Israel. And what's going on with Israel at the time is that many of them had been carried off into exile to Babylon because of their sin and because they had ignored God's warnings for so long. They were conquered by Babylon and many of them were carried away into captivity, into exile. So what was their state of mind? What was the state of mind of the people that had been carried off to Babylon and were in exile? We know their state of mind by reading one of the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 137 says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Uh, There on the poplars we hung our harps, for our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of us. They said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? They were depressed. They were, they were crying. They were looking back to the past. They were wanting to live in the past. They wanted to go home. They had no joy. They didn't feel like singing. They thought that God had forgotten about them. But not everyone had been carried off into exile. Some had been left behind in Jerusalem. Now, the ones that were left behind in Jerusalem thought that they were blessed because they got to stay behind in Jerusalem. And they thought the ones that got carted off were cursed. And then the ones who were in exile thought the same thing. And so God sent a message to all of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. And that was what we just read. Jeremiah's message from God to Israel. So here's the question. Is it good news? Well, Jeremiah 29.11 sounds like good news, doesn't it? And I guess the answer to is, is it good news would be sort of. It's sort of good news. It wasn't exactly what they wanted to hear, though. And God does that a lot to us. You see, the people that had been left behind in Jerusalem didn't like Jeremiah's message. So much so that they brought their own prophets in to give their own message that they liked to hear. And the people who were in exile did not like it because of Jeremiah 29.10. We have to read Jeremiah 29.10 to really understand Jeremiah 29.11. Here's Jeremiah 29.10. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. God's promise is there. It's just that it won't be fulfilled for 70 years. 70 years. I mean, that's a whole generation. If you were hearing that and you were my age, you were thinking to yourself, I'm not going to live to see that. And that's what they were thinking. To go back to the football illustration, if God has thrown the pass already, and he has... 
it won't get to the receiver for more than 70 years. In other words, a future generation is going to catch that pass. Not them. 70 years. Wow. So if it's going to be 70 years, then what are we supposed to do? That, that must have been what they were thinking. If it's going to be 70 years and God's future promise isn't going to get there until then, what do we do in the meantime? I mean, do we just sit around and cry? Do, do we just kind of act like a deer in the headlights and just freeze? Well, here's what God said through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. God told them what he wanted them to do. Here's what he said. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. In other words, make the most of what you have right now, God says. God didn't want them to sit around and wait or die off before the promise was fulfilled. He wanted them to flourish right then and right there with what they did have, not with what they didn't. And Israel's welfare was tied to the welfare of Babylon, that foreign city. If they made the place where they were prosper, then they would prosper. Um, they were not to fear their neighbors, the Babylonians. They were to bless them. They were to live among them. They were to pray for them. Pray to the Lord for those people that took them into exile. Pray for those people who were so different from them. No, God had not forgotten about them. And yes, God is still faithful, but God wanted them to, as the old saying goes, bloom where they were planted. This was not going to be just an interruption for them. It was going to be a disruption. They still had a lot to learn. This past Tuesday, um, I had an online workshop. And by the way, as far as online trainings go, uh, if you have an online training and you think, oh, this is going to be easy, it's just going to be an online training, I want to tell you what, after four hours on a Zoom training, you are wanting to pull your hair out. It, there is such a thing as Zoom fatigue. And um, so that was, um, that was Tuesday. It was a training on, uh, on how to, to lead in the midst of a pandemic and everything. And, and the teacher said this, and I think he's right. He said, um, there's a difference between an interruption and a disruption. And he illustrated the point. He said, here's what an, here's, here's what an interruption looks like. And he turned out the lights in the little studio where he was. And he walked out of the room for a minute. And he came back in and he turned the lights back on. He said, if I turn out the lights and I walk out and I come back in and I turn them on. And I keep going, that's an interruption. 
But he said, if a hurricane comes and blows all the windows out of my house and floods my house on the first level and knocks out all of the power and all of the Wi-Fi for the foreseeable future, nobody knows when it's all going to get put back together again. That's a disruption. You see the difference? See, when Israel was carried off into Babylon, they thought it was an interruption. But it was a disruption. It was going to take 70 years for them to learn the lessons that God wanted them to learn. And our presenter on Tuesday was talking about the pandemic, of course. And he said this. He said, we thought when it first happened, it was going to be an interruption. But it's a disruption. And that's true, isn't it? When this first happened six months ago or however many months ago, we thought, we'll be out a couple of weeks. We're going to be back. I thought for sure. I kept saying for sure we'll be back by Easter. Isn't that what y'all thought? For sure we'll be back by Easter. This is, this is just an interruption. But it's not. Not only is it going to be a while, we're not sure what it's going to look like whenever whatever normal is gets back. We're not even sure we're going to recognize that. So, does Jeremiah 29, 11 have anything to say to us today? Absolutely it does. It's just that it may not be the message we want to hear. Just like it wasn't the message that Israel want to hear. But here's the message. God is faithful. The past has been thrown because God is always faithful. When will the promise arrive? We don't know. We don't know. But we know that it won't be too late. It won't be too early. It will be in God's perfect time. Does God have a plan for us? Yes. Does God have a purpose for us? Absolutely. But in the meantime, we make the most of today. We make the most of right now, and we wait for the Lord. So, I told you earlier that there's a strong message about our past, our present, and our future from Jeremiah 29 11, and that's what I want to leave you with. Here's the lesson for our past. We learn from our past without living in it. There's a temptation to want to live in the past when you're struggling. Every single one of us, I would doubt... I don't doubt this a bit. Every single one of us has had these strong <clears throat> nostalgic feelings over the last six months. If, if we could just, wouldn't it be nice if we could just fill in the blank? Um, I really wish that we could just go back to fill in the blank, right? Nostalgic feelings. Uh, Tammy and I know <clears throat> something about nostalgic feelings because all of a sudden we are in an empty nest our kids are all gone off to college and I will admit that there have been lots of times that I've got those picture albums out and I've looked at the pictures of the kids when they were little and I thought oh man but you can't go back there can you you can't go back you have to live forward you can't live in the past you can't go back there that's the lesson you can reminisce it's fun too but we can't go back. We can learn from past failures and past successes, but we can't go back and live the past. 
All right, here's the lesson for the future. We hope in the future without freezing like a deer in the headlights. We hope in the future because God is faithful and God's promises are given. They're wonderful promises. And we hope in the future because of God. But we don't live like deer in the headlights. This past Wednesday, we've been studying the Gospel of John on Wednesday nights. Study with us. It's wonderful. Um, this last Wednesday night, we studied John chapter 14. You know, uh, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. John chapter 14. Wonderful. Tremendous promises given to his disciples at a time when they were hurting and struggling. But the disciples weren't supposed to just go up on a mountain somewhere and stare up in the sky and wait for Jesus to come back and get them. Were they? They had work to do. So... That's the same way with us. We have work to be done. We trust God for the future, yes. The past has already been thrown. When we get there, we'll put our hands out and it'll be there. But we have to be in the present and not freeze up. All right, here's the lesson for the present. We live in the present with curiosity. Now, what do I mean by living with curiosity? I just mean this. Just be curious about what God is up to. Right now, be curious about it. Say, God, what are you trying to teach me today? What, do you, what will it take for me to do your will today with what I have, not with what I don't have? For Israel, the ones in exile in Babylon, it might have looked like this. It might have looked like, hey, I, I wonder, I'm curious, I wonder what kind of vegetables would grow in this plot of ground right here. Or I wonder what kind of house I could build with the resources that I have here in Babylon. Because I'm going to have to live somewhere. You know, it's going to be 70 years. I, I've got I've to grow some stuff. I've got to build some stuff. It might have looked like, I wonder, I wonder about that guy that lives across the road there. I wonder if he'd like to come over for a barbecue so I could meet him. It might have looked like this. I'm curious, I wonder what I could do to make this community that I live in a better place. I wonder what I could do. So that was them. That was Israel in exile. And here's what it looks like for us today. Mostly the same. Mostly the same. We still ask what we could do, what we could do to, to make where we are right now, with what we have right now, a better place. How can we make our community a better place? How can we make where we are look more like the kingdom of God? Because just like the Israelites, our welfare, our prospering, is tied to our neighbors prospering. even if they're different from us. There's no such thing is, as, well, I'm doing okay, so I'm not going to worry about the children in my community that are going to bed hungry. There's no such thing as being like that. That's not how we live. How we live is 
going back to football again. Sorry, y'all, if you don't like football. We run our routes, right? We run our routes as hard as we can, like good receivers. We block. When we're called on to block, we, we block, okay? We play with all of our might. We trust the quarterback because we know from experience that his promises are true. And we know that at the right time, when we get to the right place at the right time and we put our hands out, that the ball is going to be there. We know that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And how can we have such confidence? Well, because God is faithful. Always has been. Always will be. Let's pray. God, great is your faithfulness and great are your promises toward us. Every one of which will be fulfilled in your time. It's hard to think, Lord, when we're struggling in the present that uh, sometimes we have to wait on you. It's hard to think, Lord, when we are worried uh, about what's happening today that you're going to take care of us. But we know that you are, God, because we trust you. You've always been there for us and you always will be. Help us to hold on to that promise. In Jesus' name, amen.
May our ever awesome and faithful God bless, preserve, and keep you and help you not to live in the past but to learn from it, to stay curious in the present, and to hope in the future because He is faithful. Amen. <laughs>